As the kids are filing out, I'll invite you to find the book of Ephesians in your Bibles. It'll be projected, but I always think it's helpful also to see it in your own Bible. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we find ourselves on this year's commissioning service. Give you a moment to find it as you're looking for it. I've told this story, I think, before, but um, when we graduated high school, me and all my friends, my friends all immediately took off for NC State to be engineers. I don't know how they knew that they wanted to be engineers right after high school, but they did, and many of them did end up being engineers. They all left for NC State. I remained home and went to Central Piedmont Community College because I didn't know what the Lord was going to have me do yet. And so with them gone, I was the only post-high school age person uh, left at my church at that point. And they asked me if I would teach the middle school youth Sunday school class. I don't know what made them think that I was qualified to do that. Uh, I don't think I would have invited 18-year-old Matt Broadway to teach anybody. But they did, and I accepted. And up to that point, I had been a pretty mediocre student, really, through school. I did fine in school, but with I didn't apply myself very much, uh, not something I'm proud of. I was a pretty mediocre Bible student as well at that point. I really was not reading the Bible for myself all that much at that point. Once I knew I was going to be teaching it, however, I began to study it like I've never studied it before. There is something very clarifying about knowing in a few days I'm going to have to explain this to other people. And I fell in love was studying the Bible during that time, during that first summer after high school. My youth pastor gave me some of his commentaries. Those are books that kind of explain the Bible verse by verse. And I would sit in my room and just pour over these commentaries and study the Bible. I loved what I was seeing in here and how beautiful it is and how it all holds together and works together. I loved the power of God's Word and how it was transforming me. And I loved to try to give that to other people to those poor middle schoolers who suffered through the first of my teaching. Over time, people at least recognized that I loved this. I don't know that they necessarily recognized that I was great at it, but they saw that there was something in me that was really drawn to this, studying the Bible and trying to explain the Bible. And so many of them mentioned to me, you ought to consider maybe going to Bible college. Maybe you should consider studying and becoming a youth pastor or something like that. And so my pastor took me to tour Southeastern, uh, South, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, but it was their college, and I loved it there, and so I went there, and I applied, and they accepted me, and the Lord provided for me to be able to go, and studied the Bible there, and loved every minute of that, and went on into seminary, and eventually we started having children and moved back from Raleigh, that Raleigh area, back to Charlotte area, so we could be near our family for help with the kiddos. And uh, went several years not doing any teaching or anything until we came here and visited. And the Lord opened up doors of opportunity for me to work with the youth and then later become the pastor. And now, about 10 years later, here we are. And I'm still trying to figure out how to do this, and I still love it. Now, what I've just told you was the story of how I became a pastor What I just told you is not the story of how I became a minister. The story of how I became a Christian minister happened earlier when I was eight years old and I was in my backyard and all the little bits and pieces that I'd heard about Jesus from my mom and church 
clicked into place like a puzzle, puzzle pieces coming together. And I realized in my eight-year-old mind, my life needs to be about Jesus. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior and committed to follow him as my Lord, as best I could understand as an eight-year-old. And I was baptized. That was when God called me to Christian ministry. Because that's how it works. When God calls you to himself through Jesus Christ, he is simultaneously calling you to Christian ministry. A Christian is a minister. All Christians are called to ministry. There's not some Christians who are called into ministry and other Christians who are called to just sort of be along for the ride. We're all called into ministry. So this year, this year's commissioning service, that's what I want to emphasize to you from Ephesians chapter 4. No matter who you are, whether you're one of these officers we're going to recognize or not, no matter how you think about yourself, if you think that you're gifted to help people as a Christian or not, if you're a Christian, you are called to ministry. And there's good work to be done, and it involves you. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I'm just going to point out two things. First, since we're all called as Christian ministers, what should we be like? As Christian ministers, what should we be like? And then the second thing is, what should we be doing? But before we read, let's pray together. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you for your word. And I am so excited at the prospect of you speaking to us through your word this morning. And ask that you would please do that. Would you please give us eyes that see and ears that hear and soft receptive hearts, and do your amazing work through your word in us this morning, please, in Jesus' name, amen. So first off, what should we be like as Christian ministers? Let's look at verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, he's talking to just the Christians in Ephesus, these are just everyday Christians, but ancient ones, but just like you and me, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So I urge you all, all you Christians, walk in a manner worthy to the calling to which you have been called. We have all been called. And we are to walk in a manner worthy of that high, holy calling. A number of years ago, some of you may have heard about it, but there was a very popular pastor over on the West Coast. He had planted a church, and within 10 years, they had like 10,000 people at this church. I mean, just looked so successful. They, and they were uh, popping up extensions of this church campus. Uh, church campuses video this, this pastor's sermons in all over the place. 10,000 people. He was very popular author and speaker at conferences and podcasts, huge following online, around the world. But there was a problem. It turns out, by all appearances, by people who knew him, he was not walking in a manner worthy of his calling. Reports of him just being very arrogant, reports of him being very violent with his words, reports of him being very quick-tempered and divisive started to come about. And eventually, all these things came to the surface, and he, he just had to resign because they were true. And in an instant, the entire empire, just like a house of cars, just gone. Website gone, over. 
the churches, I read years later interviews with the pastors of other local churches in the area, and they said, you know, one Sunday it was kind of like this. We had about 60 people. It was our normal, normal church family. The next Sunday, after he had resigned and it all imploded, the local churches were flooded with hundreds of spiritually traumatized people from his church who had, you know, they couldn't go back to their church anymore. It closed down. And so they flooded into these local churches and it just changed everything. So he had forgotten, apparently, that who you are is foundational to what you do. We don't just want to roll up our sleeves and get real busy in Christian ministry and neglect who are we. We want to walk in a manner worthy of this high, holy calling. So he gives us here four character traits of Christian ministers, which is all each and every one of us if we're Christian. These are things we receive through Jesus Christ. They are perfectly embodied in Jesus Christ. And we're just going to look at them briefly, starting in verse 2. Here he's describing the manner of living that's worthy of this calling. It says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So first, the Christian minister is to be humble. The Christian minister is to daily pry his eyes off of himself and onto other people. It's sort of a self-forgetful humility that holds other people up instead of holding ourselves up. Second, we see the Christian minister is to be gentle, to treat other people with care. Every human being in the world, every human being that you meet, no matter how rough they seem, no matter how grizzled and hardened and thick-skinned they seem, every human being is gentle cycle only. I have ruined so many of my wife's clothes by just throwing them in whatever cycle I'm throwing things in, drying them on the highest heat because I didn't look and realize, oh, that was gentle cycle again. I've shrunk those pants again. Now they're capris again. I have ruined so many of her clothes from not being careful enough and looking at the labels. I wake up in cold sweat thinking, oh shoot, did I do it again? If you could look at the label on every human being, you would see everybody is gentle cycle only. Everybody is valuable in God's sight. Everybody is to be handled with care. There is no place for Christian ministers like you and me for treating people violently. And I don't, I don't just mean physical violence. I mean even verbal violence. We're to be gentle like Jesus was gentle. So the Christian minister is to be humble, gentle, and patient. It says there in verse 2, with patience bearing with one another in love. It should take a lot to make us angry with somebody. It should take a whole lot to make us angry with somebody. When you think about all the patience you have received from God through Jesus Christ, when you think of, of how you're just drenched with God's patience, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, it should take a great deal to make you snap at somebody else. The Christian minister, humble, gentle, patient, and united. Verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This seems to be the most important one that the Holy Spirit wants to convey because listen to this beautiful 
description of what all unites us that follows, starting in verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let people say of us, of all Christians, but specifically for our purposes now, Doolin's Grove Christians, let people say of us, every time I meet one of those folks, they are always so humble and so gentle and so patient and so united together. They don't need to say, every time I meet those folks, they are just awesome. Nobody needs to think that we're awesome Nobody needs to think of Doolin's Grove Church or any church as being awesome. Jesus is the awesome one. But let them think of us, man, they're Christ-like. So humble and gentle and patient and united. There must be something true to what this is about Jesus Christ. So that's what we should be like. That's where we begin, who we are. And then we can think about what we do. What should we be doing? Let's read verses 7 through 12. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So there's probably a lot of question marks coming to mind as you're taking that bit of Scripture in. Basically, he's just reminding these Christians and us, Jesus is the one who died for your sins. He's the one who ascended from the grave into heaven. He's the one that gives gifts to men, gifts being the means by which we get to be ministers. But listen to 11 and 12. This is where I really want to focus. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints, that's all of us Christians, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. To equip the saints, all Christians, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So, I see yawning. What verb would you use to describe your participation in church? If you had to just pick a verb, what verb would you use to describe your relationship with the church, your participation in church? I'll bet most of us, the verb we use the most is go. I went to church. I'm going to church. Did you go to church? Who went to church this morning? Do you go to church somewhere? I go to Doolin's Grove Church. That tends to be the verb that we use most of the time. Now, I don't want to be a stickler about this, but I would love if we stopped using the verb go in relation to our participation in church because I think it's really misleading for us and the people that we're talking to. You go to the mall. You go to the movies. You go to school. You go places to receive. When you go to Concord Mills, you expect to walk out with something. These are shopping bags. 
You go to Sun Valley 14, you go to receive entertainment, to sit and spectate and receive. When you go to school, you go to receive an education. And I think that we have, for years and generations, been confused about what it means to be part of a church. And you think, we tend to think that you go there to receive. But that's not really how church works. You're part of a church to contribute. There's a big difference. And if you start with receiving rather than contributing, it short circuits the whole thing and it doesn't work anymore and you don't receive anything. Now, if you go with the mindset of I'm here to contribute, if we're all contributing, guess what? We're all also receiving as a secondary benefit. But if we put receiving up front, churches have to get heavily staffed up to do all the contribution because everybody's just there to receive. We don't want that. That's not what the church is. That's not how it works biblically. You know that you've gotten this confused when you use those two phrases I've told you before. They're my least favorite phrases that I hear in terms of church stuff. First one, I didn't get anything out of that. You've probably said it. I I know I've even said it. You've probably heard it. Yeah, I went to church this morning. I just didn't get anything out of it. As if it's like a a bucket or a barrel or something, and you're just rifling through to get what you can get and take it with you. I just didn't get anything. The other phrase is similar. There's nothing there for me. You know, I used to go to such and such church, but there's just nothing there for me anymore. They've got stuff for older folks and younger folks, but they don't have anything for people like me. I don't know how they missed it. They should have been planning for me to arrive so they could give me stuff, but there's just nothing there for me. You know, the church isn't like a flower for you to buzz up to and suck all the nectar out and then buzz back off into your life. The church is more like the beehive where we all gather to do the work. It's a very important distinction. There's better words in this passage for us, words like work, words like ministry, words like build. Those are better words than go. What are we supposed to be building here? He goes on after verse 13 as we get into verse 14. I'm sorry, in verse 13 is where we want to begin. What are we working towards? What are we ministering towards? What are we building towards? We're doing this work in verse 13 until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. What we want is an ever-deepening faith in Jesus Christ and an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what, when it says there in verse 13, the knowledge of the Son of God It's talking about relationship. It's not talking about, like, I know Jesus like I know biology. It's talking about, I know Jesus like I know my spouse or my best friend. It's relational knowledge. So what we want is ever-deepening faith in and relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're working toward. That's what we're ministering toward. That's what we're building toward. The unity of a shared faith in Jesus That's what we want to see developing over time. 
Not the unity that comes from a shared affinity or shared like similarities in us. What we share in common is Jesus Christ. That's what unites us. This is one reason why I'm not a huge fan of things like the cowboy church or biker churches. And I don't mean that critically. I think they're great for evangelism. I'm not sure they're great for church, though. Because what should unite us as a church isn't our shared subculture. It's Jesus Christ. And I think local churches should be made up of cowboys and bikers and nerds, all harmonizing together, loving each other because of Jesus Christ. That's the common denominator for us, not our, you know, I wear cowboy boots, you wear a leather jacket, you read books, let's have three separate churches. I think we should be increasingly diverse but increasingly united for one reason— because we all trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We want the stability of first-hand relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a difference between a first-hand relationship with Jesus and a second-hand relationship with Jesus. You know how you, ha- you, you can be a smoker, but then you can also have your lungs damaged by second-hand smoke, standing beside the smoker. Some people, I think, go to church and they enjoy second-hand Christianity. They don't really have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but the person next to him in the pew does, and so they kind of feel like they, they did get a little bit of Christ. They're not really worshiping Jesus in the song, but the person next to him was, and they're kind of, they were there, and they feel like they too were. We want deep faith, real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're building toward. That's what we want. How do we do it? Verse 15 Rather, the alternative to being tossed about, never maturing, never growing in unity and stability of Jesus, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth of the gospel in the love of the gospel. That's what should be happening from the pulpit. That's what should be happening in Sunday school classrooms. That's also what should be happening in conversations. Speaking the truth of Jesus with the love of Jesus to one another. And that's how we grow. Gospel words conveyed from person to person. That's how we grow. It's pretty beautiful and pretty simple. Should always be thinking, how can I nudge my brothers and sisters closer to Christ? How can I nudge my brothers and sisters, deeper in their faith. You know, we thought about this passage a good bit over the summer as we thought about church membership together. And it completely transformed my approach to Sunday mornings. I see it in how I pray with my kids on Saturday nights. I used to pray with them every night, mainly just, you know, Lord, help them trust in you so deeply in your goodness and your wisdom and your power and your love for them through Jesus, that they can just sleep easy tonight, just be completely at peace, no fears or anything, because they they know how good you are. That's a typical prayer. But now on Saturday nights, I also pray, and Father, would you enable them somehow, prepare them tomorrow when they gather with the church to encourage somebody in their faith. Somehow use them to nudge others forward in their faith, deeper in their relationship with Jesus. It's transformed the way we talk about things after church gatherings. You know, we, we have a tendency to gravitate toward critique. But it's so much more exciting to say, well, how did it go for you? Did you, get any, did you have an opportunity to encourage anybody in their faith? 
Were you able to, to be an encouragement to anybody's relationship with Christ and to share stories? Yeah, actually, God gave me this perfect, I remember this scripture that I read three weeks ago that I hadn't even thought about just in time to encourage such and such who's going through so and so or reversed. When we remember that we're all called into ministry, the church grows naturally. As natural as a human body grows, a child grows. Look at the last couple of verses. We'll start back at verse 15 and read through verse 16 here. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I, I don't tend to talk a lot in terms of like vision. I'm not like a visionary leader. Um, but if I look in the future, what I would love to see among us, and I think we are over time getting there actually, I would love to see every church member walking in a manner worthy of their calling And every church member, their sleeves rolled up, doing the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ in in their unique ways, because each one of us is going to look a little bit different with that. So I want to close with some questions from this passage to help us consider these things and respond. First question, have you received the humble, gentle, patient love of Jesus Christ? Have you received that personally? It is awesome. Start there. I would love to pray through that with you. Any, any Christian in here would love to pray through that with you. Because we're all just sinners grateful for God's patience and gentleness and care through Jesus Christ. Second question, are you growing in humility, gentleness, patience, and unity over time? I know none of us are going to be perfectly patient and humble. You know, we're not Jesus. But there should be progress. God will bring about growth in these things. So are you growing in these things? What can I do to better equip you for the work of ministry? So when you become a Christian, you're given the Holy Spirit who gives you spiritual gifts in order to function as part of the church. It's not always easy to find our place and to figure out how would God like to use me. And as as an individual, is there anything that I can do as your pastor to help you figure that out or to help equip you or mobilize you or give you what you need? Do you need any resources or training or anything? Is there something that you feel like, you know, I actually would really like to do this form of ministry, but I just don't feel like I know how or I don't feel like I have the resources Please get in touch with me and let's talk through that. Fourth question, how can you build up the body of Christ? How can you build up the body of Christ with your spiritual gifts, your aptitudes, your interests, your station in life? How can you work toward the unity of faith in the Son of God? How can you work toward the stability of knowledge in the Son of God? How can you speak the truth in love to other people? All people are called, all Christians are called into ministry. May we walk in a manner worthy of our calling. 
And may we do the work of ministry together. Let's pray. Father, once again, thank you for your humble, gentle, patient love toward us through Jesus Christ. Let us absorb that from you and embody that in our lives and get to work. Please show us, each and every one and all of us together, how you would have us to do this work of ministry, how you would have us to build up the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.